listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. second episode of the one take podcast this will be a shorter episode this week maybe not even a full length episode and we're gonna try to uh let me redo that three three two one (laughs) welcome to the one take podcast this is going to be one of the shorter episodes that we do i don't think it'll be a full episode that those come later in the week when we do a movie review um but today we are going over la la land i don't know what we wanted to take you know call this what did we want to call it a one take takedown, one <laughs> take down, one take breakdown. I'm joined by Jake and Dex. Uh, what do we want to call this? Uh, I'm, I'm, I was pushing for uh, one takedown. I'm with one takedown. I like that. One takedown. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a movie that is universally praised or loved by fans and we're going to break down its individual parts and, uh, you know, I know Jake has some feelings about this movie. Dex has some feelings about this particular movie. But when we do this, we're going to it's almost like a rewind review. We're going to we're going to rewind and look at a film that is universally liked and praised and break it down to its bare parts. And I said on Twitter, uh, you may not like us by the end of this. So <laughs> that is that is what we're going to do. But first and foremost, uh, to start, you know, off, we're going to have a quick discussion uh the mo- rest in peace, the biggest rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, who we're able to talk about on a movie podcast because he won an Oscar a yeah. couple of a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oscar winner Kobe Bryant. Oscar winner Kobe Bryant, along with all of his, you know, on the court achievements, he was getting into. Um, he was getting into filmmaking, and he won the Academy Award. Uh, a couple of years ago uh, for his animated short film, Dear Basketball. So he was he was an Oscar winner. That one actually kind of surprised a few people. But rest in peace to he, his daughter, the other family that was on that, well, on that helicopter, as well as uh, the pilots and the other people that were on that, on that helicopter. It was a tragic day for the sports community. And surprisingly, the film community, too, because uh, oh. they lost someone that was obviously looking to get into um, get into and using his power to do more of this stuff. So I just wanted to say that really quickly. I don't, I don't know if Dex or uh, Jake, if y'all have anything that you want to say about that. Yeah, I'll just say that, you know, Kobe Bryant was a big inspiration for millions of people, obviously. Uh, you know, people my age, I was born in 95. Kobe Bryant's been in the league since 96. So, you know, our entire lives, Kobe Bryant was kind of, like the guy in basketball, it's been him and LeBron. So it's a really rough day for, you know, people our age. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I'll, I mean, I'm not a huge basketball head, but it is, I mean, it's just a truly tragic news. It's a truly tragic story. When you think of basketball, I mean, Kobe is in that pantheon. So to lose such a titan of the sport at such a young age in such a tragic way, I mean, it is devastating. 
Yeah, it's yeah, a, go throw ahead. in paper balls in the trash cans. You yell Kobe. Like he's, Kobe. He's Kobe. Like, Turnaround jumpers are never the same anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it it is it is a weird sort of day, but to transition out of that, I just wanted to mention that really quickly because it's weird to kind of do a podcast and talk about when when something like that happens where it's like it affects millions of people. All right, now we got to talk about movies. So <laughs> it, with the weirdest transition yeah. ever, we're going to talk about La La Land. Speaking of L.A. <laughs> yeah, speaking of L.A. Speaking of L.A. Yeah, exactly. That's um, one of the strangest transition ever. Anyway, La La Land. We are going to one take down this movie. La La Land come, came out in 2016. Stars Emma Watt. No, <laughs> that's bad. We're going to start that one over. La La Land came out in 2016. It stars Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling, Rosemary DeWitt's actually in this movie for a little bit. And uh, J.K. Simmons makes an appearance. Also, John Legend coming in. Uh, I don't think this, I don't know if this was his acting debut, film acting debut or not. Um, but he comes in, uh, has a significant role. He's probably the most supporting role in this film. This film um, grossed for a musical, made a ton of money, $446 million worldwide, according to on. on on IMDb off of a $30 million budget, which is a huge return on investment. It won six Oscars, um, did not win Best Picture. That went to uh, Moonlight. It won Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role, Emma Stone, Best Achievement in Directing, Damien Chazelle. He was uh, 32 when he won, which he became the... uh, youngest director ever to win that award it won uh, best achievement achievement in cinematography best achievement in music written for a motion picture by justin Hurwitz. best achievement in a music in music written wait original score and original song sorry for justin Hurwitz, both and best achievement in production design we're going to get in that production design because i wrote that down uh, a little bit so all that to say this has a 91 percent on rotten tomatoes and now we are just going to maybe probably ruin it for a lot of people because a, <laughs> a, a lot of people actually really like this movie. Dex, you being one of them. I actually really do enjoy this movie. Jake, not so much. Um, let's let's talk about that just really quickly. What um, without without spoiling anything that we're going to get into, what um, quick summary of what you think about this movie? So I'll start out by saying. I, I rewatched it today, and it, it has grown on me. Uh, I'm still against, or not against, but I still don't enjoy the story that much. Um, I think the backdrop, I, I think the cinematography, I think the essence of the film being this Broadway production on screen is amazing. I think it was fantastic that it was shot in CinemaScope. I, um, this sort of homage to the golden age of Hollywood, I think, is a cool concept. Uh, I'm just the the love story between Goslin and and Emma Stone is just so blah to me uh, for a couple of reasons, but we'll get into that. Dex, what do you think? I love this movie. Loved it ever since I saw it in theaters back in 2016. I think it should have won Best Picture. Still stand by that. I love this movie. <laughs> it was. Um caused a stir when moonlight won uh moonlight won two oscars 
or no, three Oscars that year. I can't, I can't recall. Um, it won for Mahershala Ali, Best Supporting Actor. Uh, it may have won Best Screenplay. Give me a second. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, it won three actor, uh, three Oscars rather. Mahershala Ali, Best Adapted Screenplay, and then it came in with a surprise Best Motion Picture of the Year winner over uh, La La Land. That whole controversy, whereas Moonlight, you won. Um, but that's all we're really <laughs> going to talk about that. Uh, La La Land came away with those six Oscar wins. I saw this twice in the theater. First time that I saw it in the theater, I was actually really blown away by it. Um, just because I hadn't seen a musical. Uh, fun fact about me, your boy is a sucker for musicals. Uh, um, I hadn't seen a, a good musical in any in a length of time uh, on, in, on screen. And so when this came out in this opening segment, which we'll get into here in two seconds, um, came up, I was blown away by this. So let's talk about this opening segment. It starts on, you know, a busy highway. Everybody's seen it, I'm sure. Or if not, it has millions of views on YouTube. Go Google it. Um, <laughs> what do we think about this? What do we think about this opening opening sequence? And what we're going to do, uh, I should mention, sorry. Uh, Dex said we're gonna. It's gonna be overrated, underrated, or just rated, meaning properly rated. <laughs> so I think that's how we're gonna go by these segments. So overrated, underrated, properly rated. How? What do we talk about the opening segment, Jake? I'm gonna go with it's rated. Um, maybe slight lot. No, I, I can't actually say it's underrated because I think it was one of the first things that people really were really talking about when uh, La La Land was. Out and we we're getting the feedbacks. Um, we're told kind of off the bat that it's a oneer. There's actually a couple of cuts in it that are really tastefully done that it kind of gives the impressions that it's oneer. But to open up with this big Broadway set piece, I, I think is fantastic. Um, I know we're going to get more into the colors and the set decoration a little bit later, but I, I thought it was very interesting that almost everybody in that opening segment is just wearing a primary color. You either have red, yellows, or blues in there on this just sort of blah backdrop of a highway. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. And it's a catchy piece. Like, it's a fun song. Right. Dax, what do you think? Overrated, underrated, rated? Um, I think everybody loves it, so I'll call it rated. Um, <laughs> for me, it's definitely the best song in the movie. Uh, you know, it's... I don't you know, know if I agree with that. Well, okay. We can, we can talk about that in a little bit. We, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. But uh, for me, it's the best song in the movie. I love the uh, the lyrics. I love the singers that perform it. Um, we'll get into my thoughts on Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone singing later. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I do think that's one of the best scenes of the movie and that everyone already loves it. So I'll just go ahead and call it rated. Yeah, I think I got to go ahead and uh, we're also going to call this one um rated just for, uh, outside of the film itself just for the sheer scope of Chazelle shutting down a highway in the middle of Los Angeles traffic how many people were so pissed that that, <laughs> that, that had to happen that was like, probably what? real traffic by the end of it yeah exactly there what is going on so I call that one rated I really like that opening piece it is uh, starting off with a bang in a musical is a classic sort of thing so I love that they did that and I, I, I don't know. I really I really do enjoy that. So what I did want to talk about next, and I, and I wrote it down here, uh, the colors of this and the set design. Because after that, they're all wearing either reds, blues, yellows, greens. Um, a couple people have on, you know, white shirts or something. 
Um, but then they go into uh, Emma Stone's, and I'm forgetting her character name. Uh, Mia. Mia, thank you. They're, they go into Mia's house with her roommates, and it's sort of the same thing, and all the different rooms are different colors, and you kind of see that throughout. Anytime that she's auditioning, she's on like a red or a blue wall or anything like that. So what did y'all think about the colors and the set design? Overrated, underrated, properly rated for uh, this? Uh, I'm going to actually go with a little underrated. Um, in terms of like when, when people talk about this movie, I, I feel like it's not talked about a lot. The color psychology of this movie is incredible. Um, the palette is amazing. It's, we, it, it's pretty much just all primary colors. We get um, hints of green, uh, Mia's outfits pretty much stay pretty stagnant, but her, as we kind of go through her character and, you know, how she is psychologically through the film, as we get to the breakup and everything, her colors become a little bit more muddled and mixed. But the use of color is incredible. Um, I love it a lot. Except for Gosling, I think, is only wearing, like, neutrals and darks, which might be an interesting sort of look into the psychology of the characters now that I think about it. Um, yeah, for me, I'd say it's uh, I'd say it's underrated. It's you really don't think about it, like as you're not like if you're not watching the film actively, like yeah. a couple of years from now, I'm not going to be sitting here like, man, the colors in La La Land. Mm-hmm. But you know, as you're watching the movie, like I was watching it today, uh, it just really sticks out to you. It's like boom, like all these different backdrops that they're on, and you know, different shots, and you know, uh, there's that scene where they jump in the pool and they kind of pan around and. It's just all these like magical colors like popping out at you and people dancing and things like that. It's a, uh, you know, it really adds a lot to the film and to the L.A. golden era kind of vibe. Uh, so I think they really did a great job on that. Yeah, I think the colors. I'll I'll, I'll go properly rated because when I did see this film for the first time, I was just like, oh, that that stands out really to me, especially when you know her and her friends are go dance dancing down the street, all yeah. in their all in a row in their different colors and things like that. I think, uh, you know, towards the end of the film when he's in that kind of purplish neon light and everything else. I think that's really, that's really brilliant. So when I saw that, I was like, Oh, this, this actually does kind of stand out to me. So I, I will say properly rated on, uh, on that. Okay. So here's where it really starts to pick up for me. Um, would y'all want to do the portrayal of Los Angeles first or the music and performances before we get into, uh, all of the main players performances? Uh, I would say music first, because, I mean, Los Angeles is a character in the film. Oh, so we're going to um, do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I realize it's like the most pretentious thing, but like, well, yeah, the third character is Los Angeles. But it does play such a huge role that I kind of think it deserves its own section attached to the players. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So music first. Okay, so the let's talk about the, we will talk about the music. Um, this soundtrack for me uh is brilliant i i you can still kind of listen to this soundtrack um without the mood like just go listen on spotify and you'll be able to uh you know just jam actually down the highway especially starting out with that Uh first song um john legend's song that he has uh start a fire in this his that original song is actually just a really good song and like not even for a movie. That's just like a good song. No, it's a good catchy song for uh, sure. with a really cool keyboard solo. Exactly. So that's, uh, that's a really good song. I will say, um, 
everyone that's singing in this movie, and this is maybe something we discuss later with individual performances, uh, everybody not named John Legend in this movie's <laughs> singing is, eh. Especially our boy Gosling. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that was a uh, that was a criticism that I heard from a lot of friends. Uh, you know, when this movie first came out, and we were discussing it. Um, you know, they hated Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling singing in it. And you know, I think once we get into the recasting, we could talk about some people who might have sung better. Uh, but I've enjoyed their singing enough. Um, you know, they do have this kind of they. There's an earnestness to it and authenticity to it that I think makes it enjoyable. Um, you know, they have a very like starving artist kind of feel to them, I'd say, and their music, uh, their vocals. So um, I enjoyed their singing enough. I don't think it's spectacular, but it's good enough for me. And the rest of the songs, they jam. They just front and <laughs> back jamming. Um, even the instrumentals on here um, from uh, Justin Hurwitz are all spectacular um the piano work is great jazz music is great uh, so i think the soundtrack is actually a little underrated i don't think people put it up there with kind of the best movie musical soundtracks like they should so i'd call it underrated i would say it's kind of underrated too because this is even this was even probably streamed less than justin Hurwitz's second full musical which was uh uh, the Greatest Showman, which was not a good movie, but um, I'm going to be honest, I found it delightful. <laughs> um, if yeah, we're, for if sure. We're, if we're still in the trust tree here, always in the trust tree. I, I found uh, that movie absolutely delightful. Uh-oh, is Jake frozen? Yeah, but I think Jake is frozen. Oh, no, we lost Jake. Oh, this is going to be... Jake, come back. Oh, no. Hold on. We interrupt this recording to try to get our friend back on the broadcast. Can you just insert like the piano music from La La Land yeah. here? Oh, hold on. Is he back? Here. Yeah, I'm back. Oh, he's back. <laughs> uh, we got him back. All right. Cool. My internet cycled there. Awesome. Um, so we were just talking. Where did it drop me? Uh, I don't know if we ever got. You. I started talking. I don't know if we ever got you in there. Were okay. you? Did you just go on a whole sort of thing? I did. Oh no! Oh, it's, totally, it's totally fine. Like it. Um, I, we can pick it back up again. But if, if you were saying something, I don't know. What do you think about the music overall in this uh, throughout? Um, so I'm going to go with rated to maybe slightly underrated. Um, the only thing is for me is I, granted, I haven't actively sought out the, the, um, album. I, I haven't streamed it really. Um, but having just watched the movie, there's a couple of songs that are really memorable, like the opening sequence and the star song that Ryan Gosling sings. And then of course there are a couple song, but the rest of the movie, a lot of the music does not just stick in my head. Like I, I don't, it's not something that like I remember or have a, a big takeaway from it. Um, I will say though, this is a big movie for jazz. Like I, I would love to see if there was some statistics to see if like jazz listening went up after listening to this or after watching it in 2016. Right. But 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say it's rated to slightly overrated, maybe. Lukewarm take. That's all I got to say about that. From <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not it's not my hottest take. Um, it really it's just the music did not stick with me. It is really my take. Yeah, I think my main complaint with some of the music in this is um, is the singing from some of the people other than other than John Legend. Uh, Chazelle came out and defended that, and I don't know if this is just him saying saying something to just defend the actor that he cast or or just say but he's like well i wanted it he he basically came out and said um and somebody should tag me in this article because i can't find it but he basically came out and said oh well i wanted it to feel like they were actually real people um instead of like i wanted him to be a piano player first and a, a you know and she an actress first and not a not singers but when you have a full musical and you go back to musicals of the past, like I think this has a lot of, a lot of things in common with like singing in the rain and things like that, mm-hmm. which it's kind of the, a lot of the same beats, story beats and things like that. So yeah. when you go and you, and you look at um, singing in the rain and, and, and Gene Kelly, sorry, I'm going to, people are screaming. I think it's Gene Kelly. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm not wrong. Gene Kelly. When you, when you go and you look at sort of that thing and how well he's singing, and granted he's a classically trained singer and dancer and things like that. And you don't really have those people anymore. So I think they do. Okay. And we'll just fold this. Um, I think, I think they do fine, but I, I don't know if I buy that. We just wanted him to sound like a normal, like you could have gotten, so you just wanted Ryan Gosling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mike. Other people is fine. I mean, Gosling is gorgeous. Anybody who sees him on a poster is going to go see him. But if you wanted them to be regular people, why would you open up the movie where it's regular ass looking people on the street, jumping out of their car and having the most angelic voices? Mm hmm. It's weird to set a tone by saying, like, anybody in the street could be the singer and then having your main characters be okay at it. That's a fair point. I hadn't considered it before. So we'll move on to uh, one thing that I noticed when skimming through this uh, again for, you know, the upteenth time and watching clips on YouTube and just going, oh, by the way, if you're wanting to watch this, um, (laughs) it's free if you have an amazon prime account and you want to watch it with commercials on imbd uh tv which is a new thing that amazon came out with and bought and they have a lot of free movies on there but they have commercials uh if not you can rent it for about three dollars i think uh but it's not on netflix or anything uh like that but so that's where you can watch it or most of the clips are all most of the good stuff's on youtube but um So what I wanted to talk about here, because this may actually some of these things made me laugh, is the portrayal of Los Angeles in this movie is, uh, I think, is the most underrated thing about this entire film. Because, because just the social climbers and the people that they portray, and yeah, it's kind of a caricature of what people 
think of Los Angeles, but a lot of this has to def definitely be based on real life experience between the actors and the directors and things like that with these casting rooms and these parties where people, um, where the, they go to that one of that first party that Emma Stone goes to. She goes and talks. She goes, oh, you're a writer? And he's like, yeah, things are looking really up for me. Got a lot of heat right now. <laughs> things are going great. And I, I cracked up at that because it was it just yeah, seems man. so genuine. Oh, for sure. That is, that is a real, that's probably happening right now. Uh, I, I agree. I think the portrayal in terms of how background characters interact is, is very on point. Um, there's a scene where Emma Watson's with her boyfriend Stone. of one minute, Greg. Um, did I say Watson? Yeah. Damn it. It's weird because she was going to be... Um, she was going to be in the movie. Packed. We're actually going to be... We're yeah. maybe talking about that. Um, Emma Stone is with her one-minute boyfriend, Greg, at this double date. And one of the topics of conversation is that watching movies is better at home because the quality of theaters are declining. And I was like, I have been in that conversation. That is very true. <laughs> like, yeah, man. I have heard people be like, no, I only watch movies at home now. Yeah, and uh, I think just kind of the whole vibe around, you know, trying to make it as a piano, <laughs> trying to make it as, um, you know, an actress in L.A. is just kind of hilarious throughout the entire movie. Like, they have a whole song dedicated to basically, you know, you're going to go to this party, you're going to mingle, and you're next thing you know, you're going to have these great auditions, and you're going to be an actress. Um, you know, I think all that kind of stuff throughout this movie is just hilarious. Or like we talked about before recording the uh, – the Prius uh, comment, like where everybody drives a Prius, yeah. you know, everybody is kind of doing the same exact things that, uh, you know, me and Sebastian are doing, uh, which is all a matter of luck, really. Um, you know, I think that part of the film is really, really good and, you know, kind of adds another layer to it. Well, yeah, that cracked me up because I was it, it was right after that party where she's still talking to that guy and he's like, yeah, I'm making a script about uh, about Goldilocks and the Three Bears, uh, but it's like from the bear's perspective. And she was like, she's like, can you find my keys, please? And like, what keys are they? They're a Prius. That doesn't help me. <laughs> like uh, that, there were some parts in this movie that I forgot uh, how funny they were and how sort of and Ryan Gosling really was just sort of almost playing Ryan Gosling. Like if you've watched him in interviews and things like that, like he was playing him, but he also had to do a bunch of things. So. Oh, one thing that I did miss that I wanted to, if we can go back for two seconds. Um, how do we feel about this being, because there's some elements like when she's walking outside and everything's frozen and the snow's falling down or when, you know, they go to the uh, planetarium um, and and they like dance off into the skylight or, or into the night like that or into the mm -hmm. stars. And there's a lot of, there's some elements of this that are, shockingly fantastical which is kind of like a musical like a stage musical how do mm -hmm. we feel about that because sometimes especially when they go and they dance um and they dance off into the night or whatever it looks pretty but when i remember watching that in the theater going like mm, like what like what what so i think those parts for me are overrated where i was just like nah like i don't you know i don't need this for sure. Um, yeah, I, I kind of think that those little moments 
Um, I mean, there are like two to three segments of sort of these fantastical scenes, them dancing right after the party, them dancing at the planetarium, even the opening segment of people getting out of their cars and dancing on top of that. I mean, I, I assume as an audience, we're supposed to take away that really this is a dramatic portrayal of where the relationship is and all the emotions that come with it. And it's just fun to show it in sort of this old Hollywood way of, of beautiful dance numbers. But it is, it, it, I feel it does detract from the film a little bit um, by kind of doing like a yada, yada, yada situation. Like they're in love and they had a bad movie experience, but now they're at the planetarium and they get to float in space. Like it, it kind of detracts from character development and this beautiful looking montage that doesn't contribute much. Um. I'll call it overrated just because I couldn't tell you like what the point of it is. Mm -hmm. I just thought it looked cool, but I don't think it like the it didn't take anything away from it for me. Uh, it was just kind of like you know this looked really really cool. I like how they did this, uh, but yeah, there's no real like point to it that I could point to or uh, you know anything that like it doesn't need to be there. Um, but you know it's just kind of cool. Watch them dance off into the sky, you know. Yeah, sure. I love a good date night. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of leads me to another point that I want to break up with you guys is one of my pet peeves in movies is when people have like really, really crowded public places entirely to themselves. Like there's, <laughs> yes. no way, there's no way y'all just drove up to this planetarium, just like driving all over the like the entryway of this planetarium. There's nobody <laughs> else here. You just get to walk in there. It's totally <laughs> empty, like no security, no nothing. You're just in there by yourself. Dancing into the skylight. That Straight kind of up drives up the sidewalk. Yeah, that kind of thing always pulls me out of movies immediately. I'm like, what is going on? I'm not going to lie to you. When I saw that, you know, and I was so engrossed by this film and I was in 100%. When I saw that, I go, what the hell is this? Like, he was like, <laughs> it was like, he, just like an old man in me coming out. He can't drive up right to the thing. Like, he can't do that. <laughs> sidewalk, yeah. sir. So many scenes like that in movies. Like, I remember there was this one rom-com. I don't remember what it was called. Anna Ferris was in it. Um, and the only thing I remember about the movie is that her and, like, the man in it end up going into, like, this Boston Celtics arena by themselves late at night. Like, nobody's there. They're just, like, some circus was set up beforehand. So they're, like, flipping on trapezes and shit like that. And it's just like, why Why is this a part of your movie? Why can't people go on regular dates in your movies? Yeah, I mean, it just it, that that did take me. I forgot about that. That did take me out of where it's like, that's the most one of the most crowded landmarks in Los Angeles. You're just going to get to walk in for you. You're both broke. Like, nobody would let you. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, get this poor out of here. No you have no money. <laughs> it's a crowded place. Like, why are you here by yourself? Exactly. He's, so, what? I was just going to say, he's rolling in in a car that we never actually see. There, there's a roof of, so it's a convertible that lost the top. And there's cassettes <laughs> in the back. He's not getting anywhere. <laughs> uh, Gosling's character in this, and we let's, let's move on to performances. Uh, Gosling's character in this cracks me up because this just feels like um, an um, I don't know if this is the right word. Well, a combination or an amalgam of of Damien Chazelle and Ryan Gosling combined. It was like Chazelle was like, all right, I'm going to take all the things that I love or and think that are cool still 
and I'm going to put them into this character and Gosling is just going to be cool, be his Gosling coolness around this thing. Because we know, we know like a couple things about Damien Chazelle. Uh, he likes old movies and he, this dude loves jazz. <laughs> like, yeah. like his first two movies were a, a jazz movie and then another jazz movie. Which, but totally very different story. Yeah, I guess so too. And and shout out to J.K. Simmons making an appearance in in this one after, uh, just, just completely. I, I was like, wait, so that's it? That's all that J.K. Simmons is gonna do in this one? Okay, whatever. Do you do you think this is a combined universe? Do you think that the, that um, this is J.K. Simmons post like getting kicked out of the academy and everything, and so now he has to open up a nightclub in L.A. just to keep ends meeting. Yeah, that's why he was so mean to him. He didn't play at his tempo. Yeah. <laughs> One song, and it's Christmas music only. Um, Not quite his tempo. Yeah. So, Gosling, we're going to move into performances. First of all, before we talk anything about it, real quick, Gosling performance, overrated, underrated, rated. Go. Overrated. underrated. Oh, it's a fight. Okay, we got a we got a overrated, we got an underrated. I'm gonna say properly rated, just to uh-huh. piss everybody off, because and not take a side because, and I'll tell you why, and then you two can argue it out. He has to do so many things in this in this film. He has to dance, play concert style piano, um, sing. And still somehow be uh, cool throughout. So like you know, like I don't. It, maybe that's just Gosling in itself. He's just a cool guy. But I just mm-hmm. you know, just watching it, you're just like, oh well, yeah. Of course he's able to play piano and dance and sing. Now I will say what is overrated is his singing because <laughs> because it, it it's not great. Like, I don't know if I, I don't think I could do any better. Don't get me wrong. And I think he gives it his best effort. And I think along with Emma Stone, who does better, I think their their duets and things are the best part of him singing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he him playing piano the way that he does and being able to dance the way that he does, especially with that uh, uh, them that dance that they first do together. I think his performance is properly rated. I think what what stops it from being underrated is his singing. So if he like if he came out and he was like belting it, then I think it would be an underrated performance because let's be, he was still nominated for an Oscar, and I thought he may might would have won, but yeah. that's exactly why I say it's underrated because I think he should have won because. Pretty much nobody has seen Manchester by the Sea or can tell you anything about Casey Affleck's performance in that. I got to tell you, that I've seen it. It's a, it's a poncher. You yeah. do not leave that film feeling good. Right, right, right. But I just think that, you know, Ryan Gosling deserved to get that win. Uh, you know, so I'll call it underrated. I don't, I didn't think that Casey Affleck's performance was better than his. So I got to, I got to say Gosling was underrated. He felt like a real person. Right. Like he felt like one of my friends. Um, you know, I was in the honors college in college and, 
you know, um, I had a lot of friends who were into, you know, very niche things like jazz music or, um, you know, other things like that. And just a lot of his comments, like his side commentary, whenever somebody else would say anything, you know, just felt like genuine conversations that like I'd have with people. Like there's one point where, you know, he just goes, look at that view. And then my son just kind of goes, I hate it. And he goes, yeah, it's the worst. Yeah. And, you know, that interaction just felt like an interaction that I would have like one-on-one with one of my friends. Like, so just watching that, I was like, Ryan Gosling's killing it and doing the dancing and the singing. Uh, I don't know how much piano he actually played. Did he actually play piano in this? Yes, he, he did. did. He learned how to, he learned how to play. Like, I have that, um, I have that here on IMDb. You can find, by the way, IMDb uh, has all the useless trivia about these movies that you can ever <laughs> know. So if you want to just go down a rabbit hole. Okay, so this is, according to, Ju- to composer Justin Hurwitz, all the piano performances featured in the film uh, were first recorded by pianist Ryan, uh, Randy Kerber during pre-production. Ryan Gosling then spent two hours a day, six days a week in piano lessons, learning the music by heart. By the time filming had begun, Gosling was able to play the, all the piano sequences seen in the film without the use of a hand double or CGI. So he's a crazy person. Yeah. So, and he deserves yeah, that's, 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 that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He, he played the piano so well, reportedly, that a uh, guy that we're going to talk about here in a second, um, John Legend was so mad that he learned how to play piano that quickly because John Legend is a classically trained pianist mm-hmm. and he was so mad that he's like, Oh, what? So you're just able to do this? Cool, whatever. You know, yeah, like, guess um, I didn't have to go to school or anything. <laughs> so, why do you think it's overrated? Chrissy Teigen every day, yeah. Um, uh... I think his acting is 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 okay. Um, it, it's not award winning, and the only reason I say that is because I feel like throughout the whole film he's very sort of flat and very sort of goes with the breeze. Um, even during the, the the sort of big fight scene between him and Emma Stone when she's berating him for, he doesn't really seem to be fully invested into the fight. He's very just sort of, oh well. I thought this is what you wanted. Well, okay, I guess not. And then sort of just kind of lazily walks through that fight. Um, I also kind of have issues with this character motivation. Um, one of the biggest ones is at the very beginning, he goes to this club and plays Christmas music, is very upset by it, and then tries to riff his own stuff and leaves or gets kicked out. But then, so he's above playing Christmas music, but then the next time we see him, he's totally okay with being in an 80s pop band and seems to be fine making ends meet that way. So he sort of plays this sort of floating character that isn't really interested in anything except for jazz and doesn't really contribute any sort of like deep conversation points. He just kind of floats scene to scene. I will say his obsession with jazz is actually really like I've never met like I like jazz, but not to the like I'm not actively seeking jazz in the in, in 2016. I wasn't actively seeking jazz in 2016, whenever this movie came out. And I still am not actively seeking jazz. And <laughs> nor have I ever met anyone that's just like, dude, have you heard this new jazz album? I don't think a jazz album has been put out uh, since 1973. <laughs> so like 
that's all I got to say about it. so for his obsession with jazz, and also still being this throwback guy. You know, I drive this old nineteen seventies mm-hmm. beat up, and it sort of is sort of hand fisted where it's like, where it's like. He's this cool old school LA guy doing old school LA yeah. things, being old school in LA. And you're just kind of like, okay, like we get it. He's an old like Gosling and Pitt and DiCaprio, even though he's younger than those people, still sort of has that aura of movie star about him still. Right. Like in one of those last yeah. few ones that we'd still have where it's like okay, he's the star. We know he's the main billing. And Emma Stone is sort of that starlet as well. But, like, he sort of has that. So, And I think they really played into that in this character. He's, he's, just, he's just a guy going around L.A., and he doesn't care. Like, I, yeah. cool, man. Like, but, I do think, <laughs> but I do think it is properly rated. So we'll move on to, um, we'll move on to Emma Stone. Stone, not Watson, Emma Stone's performance. Um, <laughs> she won the Academy Award. We talked about this just for a brief second. She won the Academy Award for Best Actress. I think that um, I will just say her performance is, even though she won that, I think her performance is underrated in this film. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think she... Uh, she carries this film. So go ahead. What do you think? Overrated, underrated, one, two, three, go. I'm going to go with rated. I'll also go with rated on this one. Okay. Uh, go ahead. And I, I can I can get in what I think it's underrated here in a second. If y'all just want to have any points y'all want to make. Um, well, right now I'm just I'm looking at who the nominees were. Well, yeah, looking at the year. nominees, no one else yeah. was going to win but her. Yeah. The, the, yeah. yeah, no one else um, had because I, part of me is wants to say that I don't think that there was anything that Emma Stone brought to the table that was fantastic. Um, but yeah, looking at these, this list, uh, I mean, that was basically hers and hers alone. Um, but yeah, I will say rated. I think she, I think because the character really just asks her to be a struggling actress, and I think that is something that she probably did face at least at some point. Um, pre uh, super bad, I, I think she was able to tap into that and really kind of play a very, very genuine. That came off really well. Um, I think when we first sort of go through the Hollywood backlot and she's kind of pointing out like, you know, this is where Casablanca was shot and whatnot. I think that is a very honest and genuine conversation that she probably has had. I think the way she plays herself is that she is somebody that really does care about films. So I think her playing is a very honest and genuine portrayal of somebody that has struggled in Hollywood and has found success. Yeah. Uh, while I was watching it today, I was just kind of thinking about, you know, how she really nailed that, um, the audition scenes, um, you know, having to play an actress who is decent, but not great. Um, and, you know, just having to, dive in and out of that and, you know, kind of dealing with the rejection of, you know, various people cutting her off or, you know, people like asking for a sandwich in the middle of her audition and things like that. I think she, you know, she really nails those scenes. Uh, like I said, her singing is better than Ryan Gosling's. Uh, all of her songs are really good. She got nominated for best song. Um, she didn't like her song didn't win, but you know, they got nom- two nominations for best song. 
and one of them was hers. Uh, you know, I think she did a great job throughout the entire movie, and I think you know everybody pretty much knows that. Um, so that's why I called it rated. I, I want to say underrated just simply because like everybody knows that Ryan Gosling, that everybody loves Ryan Gosling, and she uh, obviously won the Academy Award and deserved to that year. Because if we just go through the nominees really quickly, um, it was. Uh, Isabel Hubert for Elle, Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins for no reason at all, uh, Ruth Naga for Loving, and uh, Natalie Portman for Jackie. Natalie Portman was probably the second favorite to actually win that, but there was, nobody else was really going to win it except for Emma Stone. So I, she carried this film to me when I, upon rewatching it, where it was like what you were saying, Jake, was like she was the only one really to show emotion outside of when – Sebastian Ryan Gosling got real excited about jazz like that one time. That's you know what I mean. And yeah. like she, uh, the way that she, and it's just kind of a trip, uh, a characteristic of Emma Stone is the way that she's able to turn on the waterworks really quickly mm-hmm. is actually very, very. It it it's a um feat in and of itself to be able to do that. It's a. It, it's an accomplishment in and of itself to be able to just be like, all right, I can uh, need me to cry. Got it. Like that's a, that's a yeah. skill. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and her being able to not be a, not be a trained singer, but to still come out and deliver one of the hardest songs. I feel like at the very uh-huh. end her audition song, um, which I, you know, I was blown away by in the theater. I think, I think that she is kind of underrated because she really is one of the only ones that does kind of, show a range of emotion here in this uh yeah. in this movie and then finally we'll go with uh john legend's performance um <laughs> not necessarily his fault they don't give him a lot to do in this yeah. movie um he kind of follows along the path of of just getting for a musical movie like inside lewin davis or anything like that like with justin timberlake getting somebody that actually is uh, a singer songwriter and things like that to um, just come and portray something. So I will just go, I, I call it overrated mostly because he doesn't do anything, but also because it's just sort of like, he's just sort of there for a minimal bit, bit of conflict. And maybe that's the writing, but I think it's kind of overrated. Yeah. I think they, I think he could have done more in this movie. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with a little overrated. Um, well, because it sold you the way I'm saying that is because it sold you is like yeah. John Legend's also in this movie, kind yeah. of. Yeah, no, no, no. He doesn't he doesn't contribute much, and he what he does is a bit of a caricature of sort of that rising star that is is giving you a break to like join his his rise to the top. Um, his he gives his speech to Ryan Gosling um, when they're first in the movie, and and. and or when they're in the studio and um, Gosling's joined the band, he gives this sort of speech about why jazz is dead and you need to be um, on the cutting edge of the revolution in the future. And it's very, it's, it's not a good speech. And, and delivery is kind of weird, but yeah, he, he plays this very weird caricature of an important musician that's trying to help out a friend. I'm going to disagree entirely with both of you and say it's underrated. Um, Jake, I could not disagree with you about that speech. Uh, Because, you know, we've been built up for, you know, this first hour 
of you know jazz music it's the best thing ever like we got to respect it um and then you know watching john legend's speech i was kind of like i mean yeah you're right like you respect and praise all these revolutionaries but you're just doing the same thing that they did you're not being revolutionary at all uh, i think john legend like really plays the line well between um you know kind of being this villain um you know to what you had just seen for the previous hour but it still makes sense when Sebastian, you know, joins him because, you know, he gives off a good enough speech to make it worth it to me. Uh, you know, so I think his contribution to the film is a little underrated. I will say just because just based on the fact that we know that it is John Legend and how cool he is in real life and like how talented he is and everything. Yeah. It, the way that he comes off as like a like kind of an asshole is just sort of like okay I, I i can buy it just a little bit because it's just like he i don't know he's so talented that you're just kind of like ah, i get it you know what i mean but also credit yeah. to him um he did learn how to play guitar like he was he's he is the classically trained pianist he had to learn how to play guitar instead of play piano so good for him his singing brilliant as always he was the best singer in this movie because duh but like absolutely yeah yeah so moving on, um, I just wanted to touch on this really quickly uh, since we're on this. What do we think about Ryan Gosling's outfits in this? Because they crack me up. Oh, they're. Because he was getting some fits off, but it was also yeah. just like one time and this. I made a note of this one time he's wearing like, you know, a cotton button down shirt and, and slacks. Or the the they made a they made a choice the costume designers made a choice to be like let's give him a Los Angeles Dodgers hat to make sure we know that he's actually <laughs> like out on the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's a, he's a normal guy. You know what I mean? That was just the attempt at like normal guy yeah. Ryan Gosling. Um, uh, one that I noticed was uh, during Lovely Night, their like first duet after that party. Uh, she kind of mentions his uh, polyester suit and goes, "It's wool." But then you look at what he's actually wearing, and it's, like, very obviously not a suit. Like, it's two different colors. <laughs> like, the jacket and the pants. And I was just like, why Why did y'all do this? Like, what is the purpose here? Um, yeah, to go along with that, um, he's almost exclusively in a suit, which I, I almost want to believe this is who Ryan Gosling is. And he just showed up with his clogs, and it was like, well, just pick through it. I'll wear it all. Right. Um, but yeah, after the, the, the pool party scene where he's in the eighties band, when he leaves, he's not like after playing outside all day, you would think he would just like want to be in like in shorts and a t-shirt and just go home and shower. He changes into a suit. Right. That's kind of what I'm talking about is like, <laughs> it's just, it's a weird character choice, but it, I, I think it, it, it does contribute to the pulled out of time that he lives in this sort of 40s and 50 when all men would only just wear suits but it's such a weird choice yeah and i mean like for the most part like emma emma stone's outfits are pretty pretty normal they're all kind of these solid colors and things like that and some of the some of the dresses are a little bit old school especially the ones that those girls wear to the party and things like that but it was just you know here we are talking about outfits it, i just found it hilarious like you were saying that it's like all right let me leave this party this pool party I'm going to be in a skinny tie and roll up my sleeves and just look like, you know, <laughs> look like I, you know, played at, at Vegas or something like that in front of yeah, my tab dancing shoes on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, my t- and that's the thing about musicals is like, 
we're wearing tap dancing shoes like on concrete like that's what <laughs> Yeah, she switched out of the whole neighborhood. She switched out of heels into other heels that she could tap dance in. Switched out of heels into more uncomfortable shoes. Yeah, Yeah, so that those are that just cracked me up, especially the Los Angeles Dodgers hat where it's like he's still wearing slacks and like and like penny loafers. But let's put on a Dodgers hat to make sure we know he's he's cool. Um, the only other outfit that really stood out to me was it, and it was very over the top because I think it just completed the arc of he's completely sold out. It's the photo shoot that he has to go to oh, yeah. in this Mia's thing. He's wearing a suit, a piano keyboard tie, and then like a white jersey baseball hat. Yeah, no <laughs> logo, like- no logo <laughs> baseball hat. The best uh, when you know someone couldn't afford. I mean, I know they had a Dodgers hat, but that probably is the only logo that they could afford for this yeah. movie. Where they're it's like, we don't a, want to pay anything. It's just a weird melding of styles. That whole scene was just joy. so awkward. Just the photographer like telling him to bite his lip and just, like, just being like, dude, you're already at the photo shoot. You're already late. Just like participate here. You can maybe name 10 famous keyboards, but you're spending your entire photo session on this one keyboard. It's, it's a weird scene. Well, they ha- he had to have gone into that. The To his credit, to the photo to the photographer's credit, he had to have gone in and been not expecting Ryan Gosling to be playing the keyboard. To right. be honest. Ryan Gosling was very beautiful, man. Before we move on from outfits, I want to talk about my favorite one. Um, it's Emma Stone's. It's in that scene where Seb is, you know, kind of first playing with that band in the in the club and they do like all the jump cuts oh. back and forth between Seb yeah, and yeah. Mia. Um, and Mia has on that like really bright red top and like blue shorts or whatever i just yeah. really love that outfit and those shots and kind of the, the the way that cuts back and forth um one of my favorite parts of the movie so also shout out to emma stone in that scene for just going for it and yeah <laughs> in, the, oh, in wow. those dancing scenes, so awkward and long and lanky and just being like you know what it's like it's like they just turned the camera on her and just said you know go do whatever you think feels right and she oh, did <laughs> yeah she oh. just she almost like hits a poor girl like in the face, like just flanneling around. She went for it in that scene. Finally, okay, so uh, when we do these movies, I think it's only um, fair that we talk about um, because it is a rewind and we're taking down the mu- movie and breaking it apart. And everybody's seen this movie a thousand times. I want to see what this film would be like. Could you recast this movie and could it still keep its same? lore because there was some recasting things that you know nearly happened in this movie like we've made gaffes this entire time emma watson was supposed to be in this movie uh but she turned it down to do beauty and the beast um i think you know there was something that um uh miles teller may have been in this movie for a while um i'm glad they got gosling instead of teller but uh you know meh so, because uh, I just don't think Teller fits necessarily in this movie. No, 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 no. I'm sure he could have. I'm sure he could have uh, done just maybe a good of a job, but I think he, like we've said before, he brings like an element. Gosling brings an element that I don't think Teller could have. So, I want to get y'all's. Who would, um, if you can recast? Who would you recast as Ryan, you know, as Sebastian, Ryan Gosling's character, to where it wouldn't necessarily lose its role? Or is his character, 
not recastable because I think his character might be the, actually the most recastable. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I would I would say that uh, I think he is the most perfect cast um, as Sebastian, just because Sebastian is is a very sort of out of his time, cool dude who cares about jazz, and I think that's I think if you were to actually go to Ryan Gosling's house, that is exactly who. And even though I, I was against his performance, I also think he kind of naturally did play who, who he is. Um, so I think I think it was just a great choice. I think he fit very perfectly in the role. Because uh, otherwise else, you would kind of have to get somebody that sort of shares that out-of-his-time look. And I, I think Brad Pitt would probably have been too old. Um, same with Leo. I think we're looking at, like... Uh, the crescendo of Gosling's career at that moment. Um, and I think it was a perfect time for him. Do you have anybody that you think that you can, can you, can you recast a better singer in this role or does that take, oh. or does that take away? Because I got a couple here in a second or does yeah. having a better singer take away from maybe a little bit of the charm of him? Because I don't know if it does. I think if you had a better singer that maybe it, it bumps the role up a little bit for me, but do you have anybody Jake? Uh, I could not think of anybody now. I'm excited to hear what singers you got. Okay, Dex, do you have anybody? So yeah, my one that like jumped out at me when you first asked this question before we started recording is still Bradley Cooper. I think <laughs> we mentioned how Bradley Cooper played kind of a similar role um, in A Star Is Born two years <laughs> after, um, in terms of the acting. I mean, I think. Yeah. I think Bradley Cooper can do whatever you throw at him. I mean, we saw him in Star is Born. We saw him in, you know, American Sniper. He can give you funnies like he did in Hangover. Um, and we know he can sing because of the Star is Born soundtrack. He sung all his own songs, and he wrote a lot of the songs. I think Bradley Cooper would have been a really good choice here. But I do love Ryan Gosling in it, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't recast it, but I think Bradley Cooper could have given you something special here too. Yeah. yeah. I... Go ahead, Jake. I was just gonna agree. Like, I think I think that's actually a really good call. Um, I don't I don't think we necessarily have the same film, but I think Bradley Cooper would have brought a lot of interest character. I think he would have fleshed out Gosling a little bit more, maybe gave him a little bit more emotional range. Um, I don't think it would be as cool, but uh, yeah, I think Bradley Cooper is actually a really good pick. Yeah, I just go back to the arguing scene where it's like, and Dex put on Twitter, it's like. Um, that 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 their arguing scene you said was better than the Star is Born arguing scene when marriage when rewatching story. marriage story oh you said marriage story okay oh. okay so my oh. scratch my analogy so that's an but interesting what was your analogy going to be I'm curious well I was just thinking because I, if I you know because of what Bradley Cooper did and, and Gaga did in that in that scene going to a completely different movie but it's just like. Yeah, I could see where he could maybe bring a little bit more emotion, and maybe the stoic nature of Gosling in that scene is what they wanted. You know, like who who am I to say? Like I'm, you know, I don't direct films, and the last thing that Gosling wants is somebody being like, or cares about is somebody being like, you know, I think he could have given more in that scene. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think he cares. But like, yeah. Um. So I think, so I think going back to that scene between you know when, when him and. Gaga are arguing in the bathtub or whatever in a right. star is born. I think oh. that could have maybe Cooper. And I didn't think about Cooper could have brought 
something to that scene in in uh la la land but also i when i because of a star is born now i just see bradley cooper as just this grizzled dude now all of a sudden with like the beard and everything like he doesn't have the the slickness that gosling does you know what i mean right but i think he can give you that i mean you know shorter haircut shave you know i think he's right back to being that clean cut la like good looking dude you know yeah sort i mean of that um hangover look uh bradley cooper where he's too cool for school and steals money that would, that would be an interesting look yeah we got to do a we got to do a breakdown or a takedown of uh hangover here pretty soon i want to do i want to see how that holds up in uh 2020 um but uh yeah, I mean, you're exchanging one of the sexiest men in the world for another one of the sexiest men in the world. So I think, uh, you know, I don't know how we're going to, I don't know why we're debating it. But I wanted to throw some names out there. The one thing that came to my mind, and it, and it kind of, it's interesting because it almost, when you look at him, it's like a knockoff um, uh, Ryan Gosling. Dan Stevens, talking about casting from Beauty of the Beast, Emma Watson. Mm-hmm. Dan Stevens uh, played Beast in, you know, and Beauty and the Beast. Ryan Gosling, it says on IMDb, was maybe turned down that role to come be in this role. So a little bit of a swapping there. I think that Dan Stevens is a better singer than Ryan Gosling. So, yeah. And they look sort of, they kind of had a similar look and everything. And if you've seen uh, the movie uh, the, the Guest with um, Dan Stevens where he kind of plays this silent type. I think he could, could have given like a very similar performance, but that's what I thought of. Um, take that for what it will. I don't know if y'all have anything about that. Uh, no, I, I, I think it's an interesting pool. Um, I mean, I, I, I know Dan Stevens better from Downton Abbey. Um, but again, he's, he's a kind of a, he's, I mean, granted 1910s cool, but he is kind of a cool player. I think it would be an interesting twist if we kind of let him remain British right. in La La Land. I think that would be a very interesting, again, texture. I think that, that that's actually a really interesting recasting. I don't think we'd have the same film, but I think we'd have a really cool film if that was an option. And um, to just to go with two other names, uh, take these or leave these if you want. Do you think that Hugh Jackman is too old to play this role? Oh. I do. I do. I think he plays a little old for this one. You don't. You don't think he would have brought uh, any gravitas to this? Because he has the musical uh, chops. He's been in two Les Mis and uh, Yeah, Greatest Showman. He does have the singing chops. I just think, uh, you know, Ryan Gosling looks a little bit younger. Ryan Gosling looks like maybe early thirties, so it like still makes sense for him to be doing the whole starving artist thing still. Mm-hmm. Of not paying his rent or you know collecting you know stools from old bars or whatever like it's it plays a little differently with like yeah. early 30s than it would you know kind of late 30s early 40s uh yeah i agree i think he's too old um the age difference in this film is a bit off like i'm picturing emma stone is i think college or that might have just been kind of part of her story but i'm picturing she's like in her mid-20s whereas i picture gosling kind of like early 30s um which is kind of a 
I think it still works as like a chemistry between them, but I think if we go any older than that, it becomes weird. Right. Yeah, and but and also he brings a he brings like a more gravitas to the like he bring he would bring like a crescendo to City of Stars or whatever that nobody's even asking for. Yeah, where it just like holds it out for a long time. Uh, Zach Efron. I was just about to ask uh, if we're gonna follow that. Maybe. Uh, what was that film that he did with Michael B. Jordan, Miles Teller? Um, it was a rom com. Um, it's not important, but I think if he kind of played maybe sort of that character, because uh, in that film he sort of plays um, a guy that's disinterested with a world that's that isn't interested in. He just kind of wants to flow through that I awkward think moment. That character. We, thank you. Uh, I, th- I think we would probably end up pretty close to the same film. I'm not sure if Efron and Emma Stone would have the same chemistry, though. Yeah, that's one thing that we do have to talk about here because I didn't have a recasting for Emma Stone because I said her performance carried this film. So, I mean, I guess uh, moving on because we're already an hour and five into this. Um, Emma. Emma Watson maybe could have done it. I didn't think her singing was that great in Beauty and the Beast either. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe she could have done it. It would have been interesting to, like, give her a try to have her, like, her be in a prestige film like this um, after all of her Harry Potter roles. And she's gotten more roles than any of those actors anyway. Uh, but it would have been interesting to see if she could have been in an Oscar film like this and carried it the way that uh, Emma Stone did. I don't know if she could have. But um, I don't really have a recasting for that that came to mind. Um, when I did this, I was kind of thinking of where we were a couple of years ago and, and who we were watching. And one uh, thought that came to mind was Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. Uh, again, I don't, I don't know what this film would look like with her, but I think she would probably play this sort of trying to be an actress in a saturated world character really well i don't i don't actually know if she can sing uh can she i don't i haven't seen or heard yeah uh, she uh, a little bit in the hunger games oh yeah know? that's true yeah uh, she did that you know are you coming to the tree so uh so not like belted it out like um, emma stone did here but you know we have heard her sing a little bit and she was pretty good yeah. So I, I think she would probably fit that role. The only other one that I wrote down, and again, about where we were a couple of years ago, was Brie Larson. Um, yeah, I, I could Room actually. had just come out. So we know she can sing. Um, she, yeah, Saroon came out in 2015. So she's, she's, right on sort of that jumping off point where she's becoming a, a, a big name. Uh, so I think sort of in terms of like marketing and the gravitas of the film, I think she could have handled that really well. Yeah, so that's Brie actually Larson a very good, very good pick. Choice I, wouldn't have, I, I didn't think about Brie Larson. That's actually really yeah. good. I like that better than I like my actually. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Come on with it. the one that jumped out to me uh, other than Lady Gaga as the joke, because um, I said Bradley Cooper earlier, uh, would have been Allie James. Uh, oh. 
we you know saw her in Mamma Mia too. We know she can sing. Um, you know, I think she would have added. I think Mia would have been a little more of a happy-go-lucky kind of character than kind of the uh, you know very skeptical cynic that she is in this movie. But I think that would have been just as interesting of a movie. And like I said, we know Allie James can sing, um, so I think she would have been good here. The other one that came to mind, uh, Allie James. Allie I think James. he means Lily. Lily. <laughs> I Lily think James. Lily James. When <laughs> I, like, I don't. James? By the way, don't Google Allie James if you're out there googling Allie James. Don't do it. You're gonna get oh, a. God. You're gonna get a bad uh, result. Oh no! Don't she, listen to this at work. Allie James is. Um, Allie James is IMDb includes. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> an Alexis Texas film. All right. So. Oh, Lord. You Oops. know. Yeah, if you, if you have if you have time and don't want to get uh, fired, go look up Allie James's uh, IMDb page. You'll uh, you'll see that's not what um, you'll see that's not what he meant. So you meant Lily James, correct? I definitely meant Lily James. <laughs> One take. Yes, I have the Emma Stone mess ups, Emma Watson mess ups earlier. I have Lily James, Lily James, Allie James, same person apparently. Not even. <laughs> it's not. It's not Lily James. Shout out to Lily James. Yikes! All right, <laughs> that one's staying in there. <laughs> uh, the other one, if we're gonna, you know, kind of age them up a little bit, that I thought of while you were talking about Hugh Jackman would be the queen of my life, Reese Witherspoon. Oh yeah. Um, oh. We saw her play kind of the a similar character in Walk the Line, uh, what she got her Oscar for. We know she can sing. Um, you know, if we age the characters up a little bit, I think Reese Witherspoon would be good alongside like a Hugh Jackman type. Does it become a more depressing movie if these characters are in like their forties, where they have failed so much that everybody's just like, oh shit, like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you keep the same, it's. Yeah. I think it's a little happier. A little. Or they end up successful. Right. Yeah uh honestly i i think that this might be an actually a very interesting film if, if we go that route where they're older and they're sort of just kind of grasping on to what could have been but they never got it that might be interesting it'd be a it would be very dark though or not very dark but it'd be very depressing yeah <laughs> joker joaquin phoenix joker in la la land joker just just la bring la back the just bring back the joaquin phoenix uh Reese Witherspoon pair up. <laughs> yeah, bring them back. Love to see it. I was thinking about how like awkward it would be to see somebody like Hugh Jackman's age get kind of reprimanded by J.K. Simmons for refusing to play Christmas music. Like that's got to be sad. Like <laughs> a fifty-year-old man at the bar, like getting scrounging for tips, refusing to play Christmas music. That that scene gets a lot darker. <laughs> But yeah, it does get, it really does get a lot darker. Um, the one thing that can't be understood, I, I will say going back all the way back to Jennifer Lawrence, uh, just my one take on that is that I think uh, she, just from her interviews and everything, I think she's too like sarcastic and cynical to maybe play in this role. But I mean, she's a great actress, so maybe she just changes yeah. what she does. But like, that's, that's my take on that. The one thing that can't be overstated is the chemistry that has just been throughout like five movies now between Gosling and Stone. And I think you can definitely see that. And I think it comes yeah. to a head in this movie. I think it really is great. 
in the best uh, romantic comedy of all time, Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, Thank you. We got to. We actually got to do a rewatch on that as well. So that uh, is my favorite movie of all time. I have nothing bad to say about it. It's the, a great film. The mo- one of the most rewatchable comedies of all time. But that's where the chemistry starts, and I think it really does come to a head. So I think those two together, and they're sort of like that old school. And I think that plays in this film as well, where it's like we always saw these old school pair ups. You know what I mean? In in uh-huh. these nineteen thirties forties movies, where these two stars would pair up you know, a lot. And, and I think that's one of the things that I think plays into this film as well. Finally, who would we cast as John Legend? Because remember, they have to be as good of a singer as John Legend. So I said, and it's just the easiest one. Does Justin Timberlake make this movie better or worse? Uh, I don't, I, I think, I would say worse. The only reason that John Legend works is because he does play jazz. And so his character is so much more believable in the sense that like, oh, he really is playing this music. Like, this is who he is. Like, he understands his genre. I don't see uh, JT being a jazz player. So it would almost feel more like this kind of inserted cameo piece rather than like okay it is a cameo but he actually does understand the music but that's the way i felt about john legend anyway where it's just like yeah need star got star here's star you know what i mean okay so my issue with justin timberlake is that you know the only movies i can really remember him in are uh obviously social network where he's kind of the like smarmy tech asshole um and then uh, that movie in time, the action movie where everybody yeah. is like, Oh yeah. On their wrist. But, uh, I think inserting him into this role and having him kind of be the person that's like, we're going to disrupt jazz kind of like comes off as yeah. much more assholey <laughs> than John doing it. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I think Dustin Timberlake makes it a little worse. Um, probably makes Keith. I think that's John Legend's character's name. feel like a little more of an asshole. Yeah, but yeah, I have a recast for that one, and I what immediately came to mind for me was Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, he oh. was in, um, he was in uh, Murder on the Orient Express recently. He was in Harriet. Obviously, he can sing. Um, you know, he puts out albums consistently. He was a star of Hamilton. Um, incredible, incredible on Broadway, by the way. I just got a little bit of a little Shout bit. Of, yeah, a little bit of a drop there. Just uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you and uh, brag about this. I saw the original cast on Broadway. I'm okay. I'm done bragging. Sorry. That's crazy. I hate you. Yeah. That is a that is an incredible flex. Yeah, just I got a subtle flex. Cast in Houston. Um, I didn't get to see the original cast or see it on Broadway, but. Anyway, yeah, I think Leslie Odom Jr. would have been really great here. And he's also like kind of got like a jazz singer voice. So I think he could have, uh, you know, done just as well, if not better, than John Legend in this movie. Um, Jake, do you have anybody? I, I wrote down, and I, I don't think I art, um, but I wrote down um, John Mayer and then four question marks. Oh, actually... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not the only reason I say, yeah, like the only reason I say he that is an is asshole think, in real life. Like, <laughs> yeah, the only reason I say that is because like I, I, he is one of those people that like 
really, I think he really is sort of that Ryan Gosling character where he's trying to keep blues and, and jazz and sort of a more classic rock vibe going strong. And so I think he would be like an interesting addition to this film if the band was some sort of like group of musicians that are trying to keep a dying genre alive instead of innovating and growing it. But yeah. Well, I, you know, I love John Mayer's music as much. I really do enjoy John Mayer's music and, but he is sort of in, he's funny and all kind of quirky and stuff online, but he is sort of like this sort of schmarmy douchebag. It was like what Dex was saying is like, does that, does that add to it where it's just sort of like, okay, John Mayer, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like when he's like trying also, to, has he ever acted? Oh, he was in the Chappelle show. That's right. Very early on. He's in the Chappelle show, which was one of the greatest skits. Ever. I can't think of him in any movies. No. Uh, uh, well, he has 16 acting. He was in Get Hard, <laughs> Zombievers. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, duh. You know these hit films. And then uh, Zombievers. Most recent dance movie. Was it? Oh, no. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> oh, no. This is an Ali James. <laughs> Zombievers is an Ali James movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh no hashtag one take oh my god <laughs> we're coming here with a one take bump yeah this is the uh, one that I'm going to put on twitter Allie James we got you <laughs> no one has ever talked about Allie James as much as she's being talked about right now probably literally never nope. never Sorry, you, Lily James. You could change the gender of that of John Legend's character. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. I think that you could. I think that you could um, get away with it. My only concern, like off the bat, with that is that I would assume probably the writers would get lazy and go for the trope of like, will he choose the band girl or will he choose the quirky girl that's going to be an actress? Right. True. Or sure. they would have had some sort of past or something like that. I mean, yeah. these two characters did have a past. They were, like, competitive and in school together. But, like, they would have had, like, a romantic past or something like that. Yeah. Hopefully they, not. They, maybe they could have Maybe they could have kept the same storyline. I don't know who you get to play uh, if that's the case. How, uh, are there, you know, obviously there are. But I don't, I, who comes to mind, Dex, when you mention that? Um, you know, I think like a Sandra Bullock type would be good there. Uh, Press record three, two, one, take two. Uh, mm -hmm. sorry, we have no idea where we left off on that, uh, because I'm a dum-dum and don't know how to clear the, uh, recording. We're still getting used to this, uh, whole podcasting thing, so bear with me. All right, so we were talking about the ending, and I, and I don't know where it stopped recording, but I was talking about does the end justify the means of a movie, because I don't necessarily, you know, get mad about when it doesn't have a happy ending. But I kind of left mm -hmm. that viewing experience where I was like, oh, well, damn. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not one of those people that I need a happy ending in a film or I need, like, a nice little ribbon. 
um, on top of it to to walk out feeling complete or you know emotionally fine. Um, the reason I don't like this ending is because it's it's sort of predicated on the idea that like this couple was good and they were meant for each other. Um, and I think throughout the whole film, they actually really weren't. I think it was uh, like this sort of like hot summary relationship that wasn't going to last. So I think being shown what could have been feels weird because I don't think that is a real reality. Um, and kind of my case in point is is the big fight scene. Um, Emma Stone's character doesn't really have a whole lot to say or really justify why she's mad at him for selling out other than he sold out, which is weird because she sends mixed signals about him wanting to be successful and things like that. So I just, I don't think they were a strong relationship through the film. And I think part of the real story is that they weren't a a good couple. So being shown this, what could have been feels kind of meh to me. Dex rebuttal. Yeah. I mean, I, (laughs) I took the exact opposite away from it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, because obviously it's about like the golden age of Hollywood and it's like this very romanticized thing. Um, so it feels like, you know, in the very like golden age romanticized version of this movie, um, or at least of this ending, you know, they end up together and they get the life that they showed in kind of that uh, dance sequence uh, before it actually ends. Um, but you know, since it's not like that, uh, they end up with other people happy, um, you know, doing their own thing. Um, they had to kind of let go of each other to accomplish that. And I think, you know, that, that ending is pretty devastating to me. Um, but I think it feels realistic. I think it feels kind of spot on. Um, you know, they weren't really meant for each other, but you know, they each needed that push from each other in that moment in their lives to get where they we're eventually going. Um, Seb wouldn't have the bar without Mia. Mia wouldn't have her career without Seb. Uh, but they weren't meant to be together forever. I think that ending works for me for that reason. What I just want to know is, is does the husband, when they, you know, leave the thing, just be like, who the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. Does Tom ever Scott know about Ryan Gosling? Did she like ever tell them like, Hey, by the way, for like, six months i dated this jazz musician you might know him yeah no don't worry we're just going to his club or whatever yeah yeah i'm going to get what we at him him for a very long time don't worry about it yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna make like bedroom eyes at each other for like for like 30 minutes don't worry about it shut up yeah even in the scenario of that it's like he thinks that's some new attraction like he did something this guy at the bar and like you don't know him, but you want to fuck him now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. I mean, it, to be fair, that guy has to come away being like, that guy looks a lot like Ryan Gosling, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like hey, after, just after, after the fact is just like, he's got this weird hair thing going on, but it looks a lot like Ryan Gosling playing the piano. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I don't know what you're talking about. We should never come back. Or we can come back. That's cool. Yeah, or we... <laughs> we the we only... Should... Go ahead. So to kind of continue at the end, but it also is weird that they never had any contact in like five years. Or it's implied that like they broke up, split off ways, and never talked again. Yeah, well, yeah, that was sort of the... I, I was going to mention that too because it's like a hell of a lot of time has passed when yeah. when they... like She has a kid. 
Like she's gotten married. She's she, she's already had a famous acting. She's now famous. Like she's had a she's had enough of a run to where she is like known on backlots and everything. Where where she's like yeah. not just an actress getting work. She's like an actress like who is recognizable. Also, you know the juxtaposition of her switching places with the girl in the very beginning of the movie, the actress in the very beginning of the movie that she hands the coffee to. A little Hollywood trick. See, I know. Seeing if yeah. you noticed that sort of yeah. that sort of hand fisted thing, but um, I don't know. I think <laughs> it is kind of funny because it's just like they haven't seen each other for a long time. We only dated for three months, but there's such a spark there that we go flying through time and space and transcend through the heavens because we loved each other so much. And it ends with Ryan Gosling going, "Yeah," like just nodding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, or maybe Ryan Gosling's so cool that he's like. I know that you know that I know. Yeah. So that well, is... It's, just, yeah. it's weird that they had this big fiery passion and then five years later, like, not a text, not a phone call, not even, like, a Facebook stalk. Like, they're both surprised that each other's doing well. It's yeah. weird. Not, is Ryan Gosling so disconnected from the entire universe that he doesn't know that his ex-girlfriend is now the biggest star in Hollywood? Yeah, oh, I fully believe his character like is one of those people that refuses to own a computer and like still has like a Nokia like flip phone because he wants to be so old school. Like annoyingly. I have one final question about the ending. Do you think that the bar stays open for a long time or do you think it flames out? Sebs? Sebs. I think it's a franchise now at this Uh, point. Oh yeah. I think he. I, I think mean, it he's. Seems like it was. I don't know. I think he sell. I think uh, he. Uh, I think he sell. Not like a franchise franchise, but it's like they have one in like Rancho Cucamongo. They have one in like, uh, yeah. you know, like San Jose or something like that. You know what the, I mean? Just like San Diego the has. Sebs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Glendale Sebs, and he kind of travels around up and down the California coast, going and playing at these places, or it's just like. Or it's just like one of those things. It's like best uh, the, the a thrillist list, like best underground jazz bar that only are open on Tuesdays. And like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I I think it's doing okay, but I think every once in a while there's like bad months where he has to call um, John Legend, be like, "Hey man, can you like do like a couple sets here to bring people in?" That's a good point. Yeah, I could definitely see that being the case where they have to do like reunion shows every now and then. Yeah, know? just like <laughs> fill seats. For the three months hey, that they man, were kind of... on tour together. <laughs> <laughs> or like two years or whatever that they were arguing about. Like, yeah. That's a crazy tour. But uh Yeah, that um that is for yeah, bring in bring in John Le- bring in John Legend to come and, you know, just sell out and then nobody was like Oh, this place, uh, the drink prices were like eight bucks. <laughs> it was like 25. Ordering old fashions. And <laughs> yeah. Do do you have anything like, do you have anything like a Cosmopolitan or anything? And like, no, we have Johnny Walker Blue. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Each table comes with like a full bottle and a pack of camels. Like, this is what you get. This is all we have. Do you want coffee? Do you have water? No. <laughs> Did we just write La La Land too? Yeah, it's, so, it's just called Sebs. <laughs> yeah, 
Does this does Some this floor manager trying to pay bills? The floor manager trying to pay does does he uh, is does he run the entire does he run the entire club or like if you go there like at four in the morning is he still like turning stools up and like sweeping the floor and shit like that? Or oh is... yeah, like I I don't think he can let that go. Like I think that is his pride and joy. It is his child. Like I like, think he counts all the money. I think he counts all the money every night. I think he, like, handles all the rostering. I think he, like, berates the chef if stuff is, like, I think he does all of it. You mean to tell me that place has more food than just, like, peanuts that they put on the table? <laughs> There's got to be something. Or, like, yelling at the bartender. I know what they don't have. Tapas. They don't have tapas. And samba. Tapas. Like, do like, not take sambas. Like, pick one. Make a choice. <laughs> Oh man! All right, so we got to come up with whatever film uh, that we want to kind of roast <laughs> next uh, next week. I, I did enjoy this. I did enjoy sort of breaking it down more than we normally, uh, piece by piece, than we probably would like a film that we will review um, that's still in theaters because of the ability to rewatch and rewind and things like that. Uh, next week or not next week? I think Thursday. If you're listening to this now, try and see. The gentleman in theaters, Dex has already hopped on that train, reviewed it on his website. Have you reviewed it on uh, Twitter yet? I actually haven't seen it yet. I'm seeing oh. it tomorrow. I yeah, lied. Um, I got I got tomorrow. Okay, so I'm going to see it sometime probably Wednesday, maybe even Thursday morning. So we're going to see the Matthew McConaughey joint, The Gentleman. It's his, uh, you know, first fresh rated Rotten Tomatoes. Not that that matters, but first fresh rated Rotten Tomatoes score in a long time, um, which is surprising for the McConaughey. Yeah. So the gentleman on Thursday and probably episode will be dropping on Friday or maybe even Saturday. And also uh, we will let you know when we get subscribed to Spotify because I am having an argument with them right now and I'm not very (laughs) happy with Spotify customer service. So if you're listening to this Spotify, Put us on there. I pay premium. Put us on the podcast website, you cowards. You won't do it. This is the podcast (laughs) that they don't want you to hear. So we listen to one take more. The super hot take. I also submitted to iTunes, but they're so picky choosy that they'll, you know, they'll, they'll get back to us in like three months whenever we've quit this thing. Uh, Just kidding. We're not going to ever quit. We're going to do this until we die. But, um, hell yeah. The, yeah. So, gentlemen, I keep saying this the, the gentleman next week. And then, uh, find us on Twitter at one take pod. That's the number one take pod because for some reason, one take podcast on Twitter, every iteration of it was taken. I don't know. It was that popular of a name? I mean, literally, I'm not kidding. Like every single um, iteration of that name was taken on Twitter and on Gmail. So if you want to email us some uh, listener questions, some questions you have about the show, some questions about movies coming up, find us on One Take Pod, um, or you can email us at One Take Podcast Show the longest email in the history of emails at gmail.com 
one take podcast show at gmail.com. That is actually spelled out one <laughs> one take podcast show at gmail.com. Email us some questions. We'll try to read them off on the show or tweet us because we're bored and we'll definitely reply. All right. Mm-hmm. Anything else y'all got? Hashtag support Florence Pugh. Pugh. We're going to interview Florence Pugh, by the way, eventually. We're just going to keep saying it until eventually she is just like berated. We got like followed by like Florence Pugh Brazil or something. That was a weird one. On Twitter, it's like, Florence Florence Pugh, please come to Brazil. Like, that's, uh, that's definitely what's going on. So they followed us because we have most of our tweets are Florence Pugh tweets. Um, and Just some trash memes, but uh, if you follow us, that's the kind of content that you're gonna get. Is that it? That's it. All right, thank you for listening to the One Take Pod for Jake for Dex. Hashtag support. What is it, Dex? Support. Hashtag support Florence Pugh. Yes. Sorry, our queen. All right. Have a good night or day, whenever you're listening. I don't care. Bye. <laughs> In somebody's eyes To light up the skies To open the world And send it really A voice that says I'll be here And you'll be alright I don't care if I know Just where I will go Cause all that I need Is this crazy feeling I got tapped out of my Think I want it to stay City of stars Are you shining just for me? City of stars You never shine so brightly